What's going on, everyone? This is Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode. Just want to give you a quick rundown of what we're going to discuss today. We got some league notes we just got to touch on. We also got to discuss some rumors flying around the Knicks, whether it's Russell Westbrook coming in, trading up uh, for either Lamella Ball or James Wiseman, which is going all insane in my brain. And then we got to talk about the Tyrese Halliburton news uh, around the Knicks now, John's boy. And then we have an interesting trade scenario because something happened to the Houston Rockets. This is not involving Russell Westbrook, but John brought this up. So we're going to save that for the kicker at the end of this episode. But John, what do we got for et cetera today? Oh, man. Well, being that it, we are recording on Sunday and I just had to watch Dumpster Fire Jets uh, because the NFL only gave us two games at four o'clock. Um, we'll be uh, discussing the full tank 0-6 Jets. Sounds not great, but... <laughs> it's almost good, man. We're almost over the hump. We're almost over the hump. Full on. Yeah, I guess we're almost halfway through. But you know what to do, Ricey. Let's kick it. What's going on, everyone? This is Alex Terrace here with the Knicks Jets, etc. podcast with another Knicks episode with my boy, John Malika. John, how are you doing today? Oh, man. I mean, I'm generally I'm good, but I just have to sit through another abysmal game from the Jets, so I'm as good as you possibly can be <laughs> as a Jets fan. Uh, I, uh, I feel you, bro. It's it's just getting comical at this point. I'm glad I don't have to pull you out of the gutter anymore. Uh, you're just laughing with me at this point. There's just nothing to be angry about anymore. It's, it's just, as you said, a dumpster fire. It just sucks. Being a Jets fan sucks. Oh, it was cool, though. How was your weekend, man? Yeah, it was pretty good. Went back to New York, chilled with the family. Um, got to see my mom, my dad, my sister, the dog, my sister's boyfriend. And, you know, I see I just went down there, hung out, did our thing. The new fiancé, showing off the fiancé. Showing off the fiancé. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, man, it was a pretty chill weekend, but... Nothing's ever chill when you got Nick's news swirling around and you gotta digest all of this stuff coming at your face and everything's just flying at you. So, what's left and right, man? That's part of being a Knicks fan. Yo, man, it's like you're boxing, right? You just got the fists up, you're ducking, you're just getting ready. You don't know what's gonna hit you in the face. Every week is different. It was weird when we had no news last week, and then it feels like Bagley, Bourbon, everybody. Just was just like coming out with the news, man. All the stuff. Jesus. But before we touch on to the next stuff, I just want to go over some interesting league news that we got going on. Kevin O'Connor uh, of The Ringer reported that the Timberwolves are looking to trade out of the number one spot. We got Adrian Wojnarowski for uh, breaking news on, well, breaking news like on was Thursday or Friday, that Ty Lue is now the head coach of the Clippers. I think he got a five, six year deal. And then you have. Uh, another report from Adrian Wojnarowski that same day, uh, or the day after, Daryl Morey stepping down of the Houston Rockets. That's wild. Um, and he, oh. he was hurting the pockets, man. He was he, he, he dissed China and he was hurting the pockets of the NBA. You gotta go. 
uh, guess that's how it goes, right? You can't be talking uh, nasty to China uh, in their eyes. I'm not saying what he did was wrong, but you can't be talking against China and then uh, affecting the league revenue. Um, yeah. So what are your takes on any of those things before we keep moving on? I find, uh, personally, I find it interesting that the Timberwolves want to try out the number one spot. I would figure that they take Anthony Edwards to pair with uh, D'Lo and Cat just because they need a wing since they don't have wings anymore. But that's just kind of interesting to me. I guess they're looking to try to, they're looking to try and get, uh, uh, established player, maybe like a Bradley Beal. I don't know, but I find it pretty interesting. They don't want to develop a player with that young core because they're only like 24, 25 years old. I think max 24. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I, I think it says two things. One, I, uh, I believe that they're adhering to, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, and I, I I know that the clock is running out there, and I think I believe that they know that they have to get the ball rolling, and he, they're sort of in the LeBron esque role over there, where he doesn't want to start with a new rookie; he's trying to win now. And you know, be it as you know, doesn't matter what we think, doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Carl Anthony Towns is a win now mode with Minnesota. It's either now or never there, or he's gone. So that's probably what they're thinking. The second thing I, 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 um, I think this says is, you know, maybe they don't have, maybe they don't really think that there is a number one prospect. You know, maybe Wiseman and Lamella Ball aren't, you know, like you said, anything too special um, or worth it for a number one pick. And it'd be better if you move down. Ty Lue. We all saw that coming once Doc Rivers left. It uh, looked like everybody had a plan uh, once they all kind of escaped. I, I, uh, I low-key think that Paul George is going to have a resurgent season. Uh, so watch out for PG. I really think he's going to have a big year this year uh, if they get a point guard, which I think they will. But uh, when it comes to the Knicks, because you know none of these teams have really affected the Knicks, when it comes to the Knicks, uh, I believe the only thing that – the biggest news for them is that Daryl Morey has gone from the Houston Rockets – and the coach is gone, D'Antoni, the GM is gone, and it looks like they're about to clean house. And cleaning house for them means getting rid of the big boys like Harden and Westbrook, uh, P.J. Tucker probably. Uh, we got Eric Gordon on the books. He's got, he's got so many you know, crazy contracts that they're just probably going to explode out of here. So uh, we'll talk about um, how – I mean, if it was me – if it was me, I'm I'm calling the Philadelphia 76ers right now if I'm Houston. I'll call them on the phone and be like, look, you guys have a problem. We have a problem. <laughs> let's figure this out. You know what I mean? Let's just swap one of these guys and, like, let's see what goes on. But I just don't know. I don't know if Doc Rivers is going to blow that up. What do you think about the 76ers? Um, I think he wants one year to at least try it out before they start blowing it up. You know, I don't I, – I, we would – Oh, man, he has an ego. He wants to – he wants to – he could have a year, get it, get it wrong, and then have another, and then have time to like, you know, get a new uh, team and be like, oh, this wasn't my team. It's it's all the same, you know what I mean? Just like uh, Joe Douglas was doing for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, the thing with the 76ers, right? They got Embiid and Simmons on long year, on long term deals, so they don't have to move any of them right now. They still have to play for that team. The issue is once one becomes disgruntled or both become disgruntled, then you have to move one or the other. But they're not in that place right now. They probably want to give it one more shot with Doc 
before even executing some sort of deal like that. I I don't find it interesting. I think it was known that Ty Lue was going to get a head coaching job. And it was, you know, he was just going around. And I think it's a good match with the Clippers. I think he has had experience with LeBron James and working with high-profile personalities like LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and working with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is probably not going to be anything new for him. Actually, if anything, they're less of the type, they're less in those type of personalities that Kyrie and LeBron are. You know, we look at, look at Paul George, a guy who loves to go fishing and hang out and just keep like, uh, I guess, a low-key type of lifestyle to a certain extent. And then Kawhi Leonard is the definition of just like, board man gets paid, right? He's like, just chills, just the guy who comes up to practice bringing donuts, like, not really, uh, not really a big, you know, persona as a, like, as a LeBron James. So I think that's going to work out for the Clippers. For the Rockets, this is, this is where it becomes interesting. I don't know what they're going to do. They got a lot of people, as you mentioned, on the books, but it's going to be hard to get a lot of assets because for them, they, they need draft picks, but I don't think anyone is necessarily, unless a team who's ready to compete who's in that area to contend has that many draft picks to offer. Like, I think the bucks could potentially make that type of like deal, but they only have, I think one or two picks to offer. Uh, I think the Sixers are definitely the, the team that would, um, that would make that type of deal, but we won't know until either later this se- this next season or the following season. But just wanted to touch on those league news before going into now our Knicks news, John, Ian Begley of SNY reported that uh, Lamelo interviewed with two teams, uh, the Knicks being one of them. What do you do? You make anything of that right now? Do you think that's you know who the second team was? Who's the second team? The Golden State Warriors. Man, does this sound familiar to you? The same thing happened with Steph Curry, dude. He interviewed with the Warriors and the Knicks, and uh, apparently he had a bad interview with the Warriors and <laughs> did it on purpose. And it ended with, you know, we're still going to draft you, right? And so, <laughs> like, the, that's exactly what this feels like to me. It definitely feels like that. The only difference is that we're not one pick behind the Warriors. We are, well, they're number two. So we're six picks away from the Warriors. So it's, I don't know. I don't see us trading up to get LaMelo unless, you know, they, well, I guess we can touch on what Berman reported is that, the Knicks will only move down from the eighth spot if Lamelo or James Wiseman, which that second name is more interesting to me since we already have a center, uh, starts to fall. I think I don't think Lamelo is going to drop past four. I think the Bulls are going to take him, but that's just my inclination of you know where how what, where Lamelo stands in this draft. He's already considered the top one of the top three players. I think having a top three player fall to eight is just hard. What do you What do you got to say about it? I don't think he goes past the Warriors at two. I think Wiseman is one, Lamelo is two, and then the draft begins. Mm. Uh, and I and I think this all all this now is just um, smokescreen. Whether it's from Lamelo's camp, you know what I mean. Maybe Lamelo only wants to go to the Warriors or the Knicks. You know what I mean. That's why he only answered those two phone calls. You know what I mean? You only answer the phone call for the job interview. You might send your resume out to everyone, but, you know, you might not answer to the, all the interviews. You know what I mean? So that that's basically what it feels like from LaMelo's side. From the NBA team's side, you're right. 
I don't think that that even if he does fall, quote unquote, there's no way he's getting past the Bulls. Yeah, I I think I don't the I the notion of Mark Berman reporting that the Knicks are waiting for Lamella or Wiseman to drop to eight unless they're going to trade down means that they're going to trade down. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, we even had uh, we've had draft experts on the show. We had Chris Bursianin, Jeffrey Campbell, recently Corey Tulliba, and even Corey when we asked him when he was on the show, uh, what's this draft going to be like? Everyone's just like, it's going to be a crapshoot. We have no idea who's going where. But I think when it comes to the top three guys, Edwards, Ball, and Hayes, we just know that they're not going to be around eight. I don't. The only one that can fall out of four is Killian Hayes in my eyes. But I think what should happen is that Timberwolves should take Edwards. Warriors take um, either Wiseman or... Uh, Denny Abdesia, or and um, three, three, uh, three should be Wiseman or Denny again, and then I think the Bulls take Lamelo or Denny at that area. That's the formulation I just see at the top four. That I just I think those are the four guys that are going because mess with any. I don't know what the Bulls want. Cavs are very interesting. Who the hell knows what the Cavs want? They already got two point guards, but it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. I, I, I'm Sexton. I don't, I don't think they're married to Sexton. No, and what about Garland? I don't know if they really are like that sold on Garland either. It's because of the Cavs. I mean, is is Kevin Love staying? Like, I don't know. They don't. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. I'm just no, not like in general. I don't mean to like throw shade at the Cavs. I mean like they don't really know. Um, I I feel like like the if if Lamelo does fall, he could shape. He'll shape their team rather than them having a plan and just be like, "This is what we're gonna do." You know what I mean? If Lamelo comes, then they'll just like shift around Sexton and Garland and make it work. Um, and then I think actually Kevin Love stays because then he has someone to throw full court passes to. So I, th- I think he might actually have a good time. Yeah, that that definitely could work. And I agree. I know what you were saying with the Cavs. It's not throwing shades. We don't know. Like for them, they're still trying to formulate a team, and they don't know if they're going to invest in Sexton, which. You know, I've been reading that they do like Sexton. Sexton has been improving. Garland, maybe you can just work with those two guys as like a like a dual like backcourt. But Garland is just this is going to be a sophomore season. Sexton, he's going to be a, a junior at this point, a third year vet. We have no idea how they're developing and what they actually believe. Uh, I would think that they take like an Okongwu or an Obi Toppin. Uh, they need a big uh, just because Kevin Love is most likely not going to stay, but. Don't know, but I do want to get on the name of James Wiseman for the Knicks. That one is the most peculiar thing I've heard from reports. James Wiseman. We already have Mitchell Robinson. I'm not saying Mitch is, you know, the the greatest thing. He still has to develop. He has to work on the foul troubles. We know he's a shot blocker, great finisher around the rim. Built Wilt Cha- uh, uh, beat Wilt Chamberlain's uh, field goal percentage, but Wiseman for the Knicks. That makes no sense to me. Uh, Unless, like, you really think, because we there was such a limited, uh, there's so there was limited tape because he was injured, you know, that we don't really know what he truly is as a player. That's just interesting to me. What do you think of that? Yeah, I agree. It doesn't really make sense, but and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're trying to say is it's not that Mitch Robinson is amazing, but I. If Wiseman was there, we have to take him. 
I think that's what Mark Berman is saying. But like you said, there's no chance he's going to fall down to eight. And I, I really think that there's like all I understood from this article <laughs> when I read it was the Knicks are trading down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, there's just no chance LaMelo and Wiseman are going to be there. And I feel like Berman was kind of saying that their consensus number one and two. Um, and he was just saying, you know, the Knicks are kind of content with going down, which what do you think that, what do you, what do you think that uh, me, means like that the Knicks are thinking, you think they're comfortable with, you know, moving down in the draft and where do you see them landing? I mean, to me, this screams maxi. I know, I know Halliburton is in the mix too, which is, which I would love as well. But if they're like really, really moving down, it, it screams maxi to me. What about like, what? What does this say about you that the Knicks are considering trading down? I think with the considering and trading down, you know, uh, I'll I'll toss it up to Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. He reported that the he he can't confirm if Lamelo and James Wiseman are both in play that they would trade up to go get these guys. Because that's really what I got from Berman is that they they'd be willing to trade up to get either one of these two, which is which is why the Wiseman story was a little crazy for me. But what Macri can confirm is that the Knicks feel good about drafting between fifteen to twenty two. So they are you know they they know that the eight and going further back they can get someone still valuable. And I think when you hear moving back, you think Kyra Lewis. You hear, uh, you hear Maxi. You hear Halliburton. Those are the names that you think of moving back. Even um, an Alexi uh, uh, Poku, right? You, you think about Poku as being available there. So that's where I get out of this um, with moving back. And now it seems like we should be ready for the Knicks to move back because they have, you know, if they feel comfortable with anyone between the 15 and 22 range or just anyone in that range, the later lottery in general, which is what the vibe and the reports we've been getting, then the Knicks don't really have someone that they're dead set on, that they're okay with a lot of these players. That's what I'm gathering from this. How do you feel? Yeah, I agree. And what's different this year with this new regime is that I'm looking for a trade down, not so that we can get assets, so that we could have more darts to throw at the board so that hopefully we make it. But rather, I'm happy that we're moving down because I trust our uh, analysis on these players, our scouting on these guys. And we have that advantage of not, of, of like, of really not having that conference tournament, NCAA March Madness. So players are more of in a circle. And we have the Kentucky guys. We have the CAA guys. So we kind of have an in that maybe other front offices don't have. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Maybe we do have I maybe we do have the the more depth to the draft because we have someone like Walt Perrin, right? We have the Zanin brothers. Um we got a good scouting team now that can pick and identify talent that they've been looking at for so long. But I also think the issue when it comes to looking at this type of draft, because this is new, right? We had this, this pandemic has really pushed out this draft process where we've been really covering the draft for so long. Once the Knicks stopped March 18th and we had no idea, outlets were just going straight into draft material. Like 
with the next couple of weeks. So we've been really extending and looking at guys for a very long time, looking at film, evaluating people. And I think it's so interesting because we don't have that tournament. We don't have those conference championships that we're just, uh, we're just speculating at this point. And we start getting into a vibe of like later on, it's like, Oh, I like Kyra now. And then you move off of Kyra. You're like, Oh no, I like Halliburton now. And then you move off. You're like, no, I like Maxi now. So no one really has anyone set in stone. It hasn't been, as you already pointed out, because we haven't had the the lights to see who can perform better and really clear this draft board out, it's really kind of all over the place. But it kind of makes it, like, I don't know, fun to a certain extent that the Knicks have, like, these type of guys that they're just thinking of. I mean, look, we think we've had people say Tyrese Halliburton's going to drop so far back, but then we're watching, shout out to my boy CP from Knicks Fan TV, had Jonathan Wasserman on from Bleacher Report uh, talking that the Knicks could trade. If they trade up, it wouldn't be for Lamella Ball. It would be for Tyrese Halliburton, which is very interesting to me. I like Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know if you necessarily trade up for him, but that was that's where this draft is at that point. And even even with that type of knowledge, right, where, where does that say about, I don't know, what, what do you take off of that? What do you think? What does that make you think about the draft? What does that make you think about Tyrese Halliburton? There's so much to unpack with that type of information. Yeah, I mean, that's what I want, though. I, I want the Knicks to stay at eight and draft Halliburton. I've been saying that from day one. Um, I just, I think he's the perfect fit. I think he's, I think he's really the perfect fit for the Knicks generally as a point guard that could, that wants to dish. You know what I mean? He's looking to, and he, and he has a shot. Like, I, I know it's not perfect, but I think he has a shot and he can develop it. But I think he's even better in Tibbs' system. I just I think he could work as a point guard there. I, I I mean I think he, I think he could be DJ Augustine on steroids. You know what I mean? Which uh, you you guys have pointed out is is you know the number one guy <laughs> for Tibbs. Uh, of course, being a little bit sarcastic there, but you know that's his guy, and he's always following him around, and he's probably going to be on the Knicks this year. But like Halliburton could fill that role to me. Um, so I love that news. I really just want the Knicks to stay at eight and get Halliburton. But, hey, man, the dra- the NBA Finals are over. The draft is in about a month. So the smoke screens are coming. So the one thing that I would want to warn, you know, us about, right, because we get, we get lost in the sauce sometimes too, and, you know, anybody listening, stuff is about to come out from the agents. You know what I mean? And guess what? We have a big agent now, Leon Rose, as a general manager. Like he is the king of smoke screens. He knows what to do. He knows what's going on. So just like breathe, <laughs> you know, as you said, we've been evaluating these guys since March. Nothing has changed. You know what I mean? Literally nothing has changed. Um, maybe they got a little bit taller because they're just kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's probably a, um, a big measuring point for them as to who actually stayed in shape, who was actually playing ball during these times and who was just like hanging out and who could handle all this stuff and like being responsible. I'm sure everyone was keeping tabs on everyone. You know what I mean? But that's really it. Like I, 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 I'm really excited about Halliburton. I just don't, I'm not going to be upset with Killian Hayes because I really just want to talk about Killian Hayes for a second if Frank wasn't on the team, or we've never heard of Frank, I would be so hyped about Killian Hayes. I'd be like, yo, Killian Hayes would be perfect for the squad. <laughs> you know what I mean? He controls the tempo, 
pass first. He'll work on his shot. He plays good defense. He plays on the, you know, plays internationally. He's all good to go. But because of Frank, and I love Frank, but because of Frank, I'm just like, you know what? Like, we have a Killian Hayes. Like, let's, let's kind of do something else because we already have that guy. So if, you know, we have that position kind of filled, so that Frank hybrid one-two, and like a Halliburton would be good with that, but a Killian Hayes and a Frank, I feel like would just not work out. So my thing about Killian Hayes is that, one, he's actually not uh, born in France. He was actually born here in the States in Florida. He was actually lived in Florida before he went over to France to play internationally. My other thing about Killian Hayes is that he's nowhere near like Frank. Just scoring-wise, built-wise, size-wise, feel for the game. It's just totally different. I wouldn't compare those two. I get why Knicks fans are like, I get why Knicks fans are concerned with the French product. We have a French product, very slow in developing. It's fine. I would say for him, he's never been a priority for Hornacek. He's never been a priority for Fisdale. He's never been a priority for Mills or Perry. Once Phil Jackson was fired a week later, Frank was off the radar. Okay. No one was thinking about him. And no one really wanted to play him because he was a kid and he was timid playing the point guard position. With that said, he has taken strides and developed. I wouldn't compare him to Killian Hayes, though. Put Killian Hayes in a different different position, different box. Just totally different box. Like, scoring-wise, just more aggressive. Much different than Frank. Way different. Scoring, defense. Like, and I'm not saying he's better defensively. Frank's by far better defensively, but... The built, the way he plays on ball, the way he can, uh, the way he reads the game, he he he's just different. He's he's a little bit more ready. He's still going to take time to develop because he doesn't have a right hand, um, and his passing needs to get a little bit better. But you know, I would not put him in the same position. I like Killian Hayes. I'd I'd take I'd take the shot, but I you know my guy. It's Kyra. Like Kyra is my guy. I would rather take him just because kid shot forty percent for three. He's a speed demon, can make passes, can be a playmaker. You know, just sign me up. Just sign me up. That's who I want. No, nothing different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, so I, I guess we'd both be happy with the eight spot. Um, do you see the Knicks drafting Killian Hayes, actually, like if he's sitting there? I don't know. This is the thing. Like everyone's talking about all these players. We had Wasterman come out. I don't even know if it was – like we don't know what's true, right? Begley said it perfectly. Agents, teams, I think it was more so teams start saying stuff, just start putting stuff out there to, you know, manipulate the thought process of other teams to get them thinking and dealing in a different way. So who knows who wants who? We hear the Knicks want Killian Hayes. Maybe it's to force someone else to drop that they really want, right? Maybe it's to force uh Detroit to take Killian because that makes because they are the other one that needs a point guard. Maybe they take Killian, then we get Hal Burton or whoever at eight. That's it, it's all a mind game, man. So we don't really know. We will not know until we get closer to the draft as we always have. It is the same thing that happened for Frank. We didn't know until we got closer. It was like, all right, Frank's is the guy that Frank is the guy that Phil wants to take. And then the following year it's like, oh, we're going to take Kevin Knox over Mikel Bridges. And then last year it was it was oh Who's ever had three, if it's Ja or RJ, we're going to take the, one of those two guys. And we took RJ as it started coming out and the board started to develop. So whoever is coming up close, when we really get close to this date, 
that's uh that's who we're gonna take that's when i know it's gonna be like a week before that we really get this idea yeah i mean i i agree with that i'm really excited for the draft i i can't wait man i do you, but do you think that we're gonna do a trade before the draft or after the draft or during the draft for a point guard, because I feel like that would change that would change the board more than anything, more than anyone picking anybody. You know, would change the board for us if we trade for a point guard. You know what I mean? Like a Chris Paul or now in the news, Russell Westbrook. That's what I'm saying. Let's get into that, right? So Chris Paul's Chris Paul's old news by now, right? We I feel like the media, the media and such has traded every single player. Every Chris Paul has been to every single team for every single player in the league. About <laughs> that's for sure. Chris Paul news has started back in like February, March, especially for the Knicks. It started around that time. So we that was for like the the Thunder had to give you a second round pick, right? And now the news is we got to give two first round picks, right? Is that is that how the pendulum has swung from since February? That is how the pendulum was swung. And at that point, because it was like Frank, uh, Knox, Portis, uh, Ellington, and then uh, a pick or two. And I was like, and that's where I say no, because that's we're, we're that's that old Knicks crap of just like, all right, we're going to give you all of our young guys and some draft picks to get an over the hill veteran that we're going to use for two years. No, 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 no. We discussed that. The only reason we want Chris Paul is to mold these guys. If he's not, if we're giving the guys he's supposed to mold, this makes absolutely no sense for us whatsoever. Yeah, I still see him going to Milwaukee, or honestly, at this point, the Clippers. Man, if the Clippers pull up something nice for him, and 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 they can manage it over there and get and get a point guard, like why not? Chris Paul's perfect. Back to the Clippers. Like Doc Rivers is gone. Like I don't, I don't think it'd be a big deal. I I, I really don't know what the relationship is there, so I won't talk on it. Um, but I think that'd be a, from a basketball standpoint, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, I, I can get behind that too. I mean, no Doc Rivers, you got Ty Wu, who's more you know established to work with these type of veterans now. Why not? And and the other thing is that we see, I think it was from the Athletic that Kawhi Leonard wants a point guard. Who who's the other point guard that we know? We keep going back to it. it's Chris Paul. Chris Paul is the he is the point god for a reason. All right, one of the best point guards to ever lace him up. You know, definitely top in the top five conversation. Like, why not? Yeah. You know who's not a point guard, though? Who? Russell Westbrook. Okay. Russell Westbrook is not a point guard. That is a fact. And that's why when they people are start, we've gone through this mill, too, in the past, too. But don't do it, Alex. Don't do it. Don't put this evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I know. I'm not going to. I'm, I do not want Russell Westbrook on this team whatsoever. But Oh, my God. Like that sounds horrific, man. Look, oh, I get it. He would, he would, he would drive down the lane and dunk really hard and make me clap really loud at Madison Square Garden, and I would yell really loud, and I would have fun for that forty-six seconds. It would be great, but I would be very sad at the end when we lose. I, I, he, he, he can't make other players better on his squad because he controls the ball. And he shoots horrifically, especially when it's when it counts. So Russell Westbrook cannot be on my team. However, that means one thing: the Knicks are about to trade everybody for Russell Westbrook. Right? If I if I understand the Knicks, that's what that means. 
just another guy because he we have Tibbs now and he can remind you of you know the old school Derrick Rose. They're like, oh yeah, we got Westbrook, we're good to go here. Yo, first first of all, I remember remember those were good years, first of all, when we got to watch Westbrook and D Rose play at such a high level. Two young point guards that were so athletic and just could slam it down. Beautiful times. But that's past. I don't want Russell Westbrook. As you said, he does not make anyone better. He barely scrapped to get to the like playoffs in the West. Granted, yes, it is the West. But he didn't make many people he didn't make many like of his teammates better. It was him controlling the ball, doing the triple double thing, and that that was cool. We were all on the hype saying, Yeah, he's working really hard, getting triple doubles every single night. He averaged a triple double. But he just doesn't make them better. He's a he makes the most boneheaded shots, man, and he can't shoot. He just, his jumper, he used to hit that mid range jumper all the time. And when he went to you know, the Rockets, like he'd be driving and then it's like, hey man, if you're going to take a terrible shot, take a shoot threes because that's what we do around here. And he's not a good three-point shooter. He's not, you know, he's made some clutch shots, but that's not the guy I want taking the last shot. We saw it with Kevin Durant. He did, how far did he go with Kevin Durant? You know what I mean? Like he went to the finals once, but after that, it, him and him and KD couldn't get back to the promised land, especially after they traded Harden. And now you had him and Harden on the same team this year. And how far did they get? They got to the second round and got wiped. Why do we we do not need Russell Westbrook on this team? I don't think the Knicks would trade for Russell Westbrook. In all honesty, I don't think they're. I don't. I don't see them doing it just because it would cost a lot of money just to get them on the books for the next two years or three. Is it two or three years that his contract's on for? Um, I think it's three. No, it's three years. Three years they would they would have to pay for. So you're even forget the twenty. 21 free agency, which is supposed to be stacked. Why even do that? It's so counterproductive to what they're supposed to be doing. He's not the role model you want necessarily to uh, get guys like a Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul, he's not going to make the team like that much better, especially when it comes to getting everyone involved in organizing the offense. And as, as exciting it would be to have him in the Garden because he is just that type of superstar, is not going to do anything for the Knicks. And if you were you know, I just I, that that would just be the most mind-boggling move for the Knicks. If well, it would be mind-boggling for like on the basketball court, but it would be right on target for a Knicks move, and that's why I'm terrified of it happening. But I'll just be let's just be fair to Westbrook for one second. Um, he is always paired with ball dominant players, right? Like Harden and like Kevin Durant, where. The second he does touch the ball, he kind of like feels that he needs to do something with it. He can't just like swing it around because he, he, in his head, he might not get it again. You know what I mean? So sometimes, I mean, I I know that I felt this uh, playing ball myself, uh, you know, organized ball or whether I'm coaching, you know, basketball, you could just kind of tell when kids, you know, come in the game that feel that they're not going to get as many touches. You know what I mean? Because people are dominating the ball, especially when they feel like they can dominate the ball themselves. Um, They end up taking a lot of shots, sometimes ill-advised, just because, you know what I mean? It's time for them. It's now or never for them. And I think that Westbrook kind of expelled that notion 
that he can't really play with anyone uh, when he was by himself in OKC and he was racking those triple doubles. You know what I mean? I, I, know, I know it wasn't translating to all these wins, but at least to be fair, like, you know what I mean? He, he, can, he can put it together, but at the end of the day, he, he, he can't have another guard next to him. You know what I mean? He, he needs just people who want to t- shoot or, or like a bunch of Anthony Davis is running around. You know what I mean? Or Steven Adams, just like getting boards or whatever. He, 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 he doesn't work with somebody like Harden, who I want to get to, man, because that is the man who can really change the Knicks. He, he can actually change the culture and the locker room and the play on the court because of his tempo and the way he gets his free throw line. And he's also on the books for three years because I'm going to count that player option uh, because no one in their right mind or out of there, or he, like there's no state of mind that you will not pick up 40 plus million dollars. It's just, it's not happening. You're going to pick it up. So it's a three-year contract, but James Harden, man, he could change everything. So Please, God, do not go to, you know, call about Westbrook so the Houston Rockets will pick up the phone. But end the conversation with a rabbit hole of finding a way to get James Harden to the squad. Yeah, I mean, James Harden is a he's a he's a phenomenal talent. We're talking about the probably best offensive talent we've seen within the last, I don't know, I know he's definitely one of the best offensive talents that we've had in the NBA. Just his scoring prowess, just how he gets to the line. Could finish. He's a three-level threat. Can get to the line easily. Just a demon offensively, man. A demon. But I just want to finish up one thing about Westbrook before I really dive into um, Harden. And that's, if we're looking at Westbrook, like people have said he played a little efficiently towards the latter half of the season. Why would we want a guy, especially if our biggest Biggest issue last season was three-point shooting. Why would we want a guy who averages 22 attempts a game just taking a shot and his three-point percentage is 25.8%? The dude shoots 25.8% from three and we were abysmal from three. That makes absolutely no sense considering that we had our best three-point shooter, I think, maybe was Damian Dotson or Frank, like one of those two guys, which is hilarious. So that makes no sense to Westbrook and why we even want him. That's, that's the, he would not help with the three point shooting, but now let's get it. Let's get it on to James Harden. Steve Novak. I miss you, bro. Uh, right. We, we miss Novak. <laughs> Yo, you don't know what you had until you, until it's gone. Um, discount double check, baby. Discount double check. Um, but with Harden, man, there's already been reports that Harden's off the table. He's not even on. He's not on the table. But to what's what's play this game out, right? Let's play this game out of James Harden coming to the Knicks. I think it would be phenomenal. That's really just we're we're bumping things up, right? I don't know if we should. It depends on your thought, though. If do you think he? Because once you do that, once you if you if the Knicks did get James Harden, you're already in playoff contention because he can easily do that in the. In the East, it is it is that how? It- That's what I'm saying. So like, there's a new GM, and and he will pick up the phone for you and have a conversation about Harden. Like you, you like this is the time where the the draft picks start coming into play, where you start like the KP Dallas picks that came in. 
your future picks, like the 27th pick from the Clippers. Like all this stuff starts like coming into play once you start talking about somebody like James Harden. And his and and his ridiculous contract is okay. It's a super max. Yes, no problem. Like that's he's worth that. Yeah, 100% he's worth that. There that's that's neither here nor there. Like the dude averages 34 points a game this season. He averaged 36 points a game last season. He gets you six rebounds and he gets you seven and a half assists. He's totally worth the money. And the guy plays 36 minutes a game on average every night. You know you're going to get wins. He shoots, uh, what is he? He shoots 35% from three, but he's taking a lot of threes too. You know, he's a high volume shooter. He takes 12 threes a game and hits close to five. Like, you know what you're getting out of him. So he's worth that type of, he's worth that type of money. The question is, do you think the Knicks, it makes sense for the Knicks to make a trade like that right now to start going into playoff contention? Do you have the team? Do you have the roster to really continue to build around him and to be successful for the next couple of years? Because that contract's going on for another three, four years, if I'm correct. So it's another year, three years. So you got another three years to compete. If you're trading those assets, are we gaining the guys to compete with him? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because especially if you're tips, think about it. You're here for five years, right? If you have James Harden on the, if you have James Harden on the three, you can kind of like figure it out on that back end, right? Like in your third year, you're really gonna know what wh- what's going on. You know what I mean? For the trajectory of of you're on a high bump, or you're going up, or you're going down, and you could really change it up if you have Harden there. You know what I mean? On the last year, you can move him. You can do something. I just don't see us, and I know this is going to be hard for Knicks fans to fathom at this moment. I don't see us making those Dallas draft picks. It's, it, 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 I, I know they're right there, and it's supposed to be in the best draft ever, but what sounds, what sounds right to you? That the Knicks make – great trades to get into the best draft ever. And then they end up, you know, making amazing draft picks that turn out to be superstars or that the Knicks trade away all their draft picks in the best draft class ever. We don't even participate. You know what I mean? Like that just sounds perfectly normal to me for a superstar and how to figure it out. You know what I mean? That just like, I mean, every franchise runs the same. You start to realize it's not like a crapshoot, like an NBA 2K. Like you might think it is, right? Everyone has a formula, right? Like the jet, like the Jets don't fire coaches midseason. Like they all have things that they do, and they don't, they don't stop doing it. The Knicks trade their draft picks when when there's a when there's a nice draft class, and when there's a crappy draft class, we have all the picks. Just every year, this is this is a constant circle, man. This is how it, how. It is. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that one because I think the I think the new front office is is different with when it comes to development. We are not investing all these guys into development if we're not going to get guys to develop. So I'm not quick to say that we're going to get rid of all the draft class uh, picks uh, picks for the next year's draft class is what I mean to say. I think that we're still going to have some. We've already had the report saying that they want to maintain assets. But let's keep going on with this James Harden because this is where you you brought this up. You sent this to me in a text thinking that we should be training for James Harden, and I just want to know at what like how how is this going to happen? So what are you, who are you trading to get to James Harden? Because that's a haul in my eyes. There's no way you're coming here without trading assets, and I mean a lot of assets to get this guy. So what what trade do you have that would land James Harden? 
Yeah, so once I saw that uh, Maury left Houston, I just got super excited, right? And I was just like, all right, how do we get James Harden out of Houston? Like, the door, the door has officially opened, right? The coach is gone. Uh, what The Westbrook exper- experiment didn't work. Let's try to get him out of here. So, for trades, I agree. It, ha- it has to be a haul. And also, Houston is going to want to get rid of other contracts, right? It's going to have to make sense for them. So somebody like Eric Gordon, who has like $17 million for four years left on his contract, you know, they don't want him, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If they're rebuilding. So like, I'm sure there's going to be other players that are tossed around here and there, but just in a, in a kind of an abstract uh, trade, you're going to want two young guys. So like Frank and Kevin Knox, we'll start off with that. Right. We're going to have to throw in Julius Randle, who can win you games now, and he's going to be there to match the contract. Throw him like a Reggie Bullock, too, right? But also, you're going to you're 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 going to need somebody like Bobby Portis to to opt in and trade him just to match salary. Because if you don't, honestly, don't even call any, don't even pick up the phone because you're not going to be able to match the salaries, right? For for Harden and Eric Gordon which is going to be what Houston wants. But then the question becomes, why would Houston do that trade? Well, they're not just trying to fire sale James Harden. They're not the 0-6 New York Jets. <laughs> so what, what, are they, what are we doing here? It's going to cost us some draft picks, the future. It's going to cost us the future because that's what Houston is playing for. So you give Houston the 27th pick, which you got for Marcus Morris this year. You act like it never happened. And then you give them the Dallas uh, Brawny uh, draft class uh, that's uh, 2022 and then we could throw in a second round kicker because I know we have a bunch of those uh, I think we have a couple next year so three draft picks including two first rounders two young guys Julius Randle we're going to need Bobby Portis to get in and then, another, and then like a 3 and D guy like Bullock or if Ellington is around we'll throw in that so that's a haul that's honestly a Carmelo Anthony haul for James Harden, it's really about the same trade, but the trajectory of this Knicks team is up with that trade, in my opinion. And the trajectory of the Knicks trade with that mellow trade was just down. I was just like, let's just get everyone on my team for this one special guy, and this would just be like, ah, we can, uh, we can manage. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. In that trade scenario, you're giving up the Clippers and the Dallas pick while we're still maintaining our own draft picks. So. We could still draft young guys. On top of that, you're giving up Frank Knox, two young guys that we already have that you're saying that they already want, Portis, Bullock, or Ellington, and Randall. I see that trade. I don't... Oh, oh, oh just like just a caveat. Like, the only reason we wouldn't... The only reason we wouldn't put in our own trade is because, like, those usually come with protections, which are usually weird. So it'd be, like, a top 10 protected or, and whatnot. If we give, if we give away the, the Clippers pick, it's set. At 27, I feel like that's sometimes an asset. I don't know how teams look at it, to be honest with you. But I feel like it would be an asset because it's this year. And the Dallas pick, I, I'm pretty sure, is unprotected, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. So it's a pretty big asset for them to have on the books. It's, and if they want a next pick, they could have a top 10 protected. But I just feel like that just loses its value um, in that Bronny class. Okay. Uh, I don't think Bronny is in that class. Uh, it's... um. 
I forget who the name of the player is. We had them until like 2026, right? Uh, 2024, 2023, 2024 is the last Dallas pick. But the tw- I'm sorry? Yeah, it's like right now it's 2024. But like if it does invest, it can move on to 2026, right? Because it has to like skip a year. So, so that's what to draft. I mean, like give them like the future, like the those like, you know, uh, 2024 ones that have to vest and we don't know. Just give them away. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I'd like, so here's my question for you going on with that. Would you do that trade in a heartbeat? I mean, no, it's not a heartbeat. It's going to take some considering, figuring out if James Harden could fit with Tibbs, figuring out how James Harden would affect our salary cap and who we could actually afford to put next to him. But yeah, man, if I could have James Harden, RJ Barrett, the eighth pick, Mitchell Robinson, and some. Salary cap, it is a no-brainer. Honestly, it's a no-brainer. See, I don't think Houston makes that trade at all. I just don't see them taking Knox. I don't I don't see them taking that entire package because they know that they have Harden for the next couple of years. I know that you say that they need to do something to win now with Harden right now, but they could easily not easily. They could honestly just try to trade Westbrook to some team who's desperate to take him move Eric Gordon, move some of these other players and take on someone else. You mentioned it earlier with Philadelphia, right? That Philadelphia would be another team interested. And if 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 Houston really wanted picks and they wanted to they could trade James Harden to Oklahoma City, who has a plethora. They got the war chest of picks if they really want to get picks for them. And I think that's what they would want more so if they wanted to start over is get young, fresh guys in there rather than getting Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, uh, Kevin Knox, and Frank Nilakina and our two dra- uh, the Clippers pick and the Dallas pick in the future. I think they could easily get a better deal than what uh, that is. In theory, sure. But he, Harden's not getting traded back to Oklahoma City, man. Like, these are human beings at the end of the day. It's not NBA 2K. Like, there's no chance Harden is getting traded to OKC. Even if OKC was like... I'll, I'll give you the franchise. <laughs> I'll give you like the pink slip of the franchise. He said, it's just not going to happen. Why wouldn't it happen? Because he's not going back to Harden. He, Harden's not going back to OKC. Like it's just not like that. That just doesn't, things like that don't happen in the NBA. There's agents involved. There's NBA GMs involved. Like you don't just do, you don't, there's human beings involved. There's no chance. And uh, Harden is going back to OKC, even though they have the picks. Like, why would they want him? He's not for the organization. He's not going to make them better. They're rebuilding. Why would they give up picks? Like, none of that makes sense at, at anywhere. I do think that 76ers make the most sense. I'm- but honest with you, not many teams are going to give up a haul for James Harden and nix it up. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's just going to give away, like, two first-round picks, two young guys, a veteran, all these things for, like, a uh, James Harden, like, with three years – a super max you know what i mean not not many people have that on their books not many people want that honestly you know what i mean it just it is almost a desperate knicks move but it feels like a desperate knicks move that could actually work out and get us wins which is at the end of the day that's what we're looking for man like the knicks are looking for wins like we just want wins like win me regular season games like that's literally all i want like don't reach for the stars Sure, I get that, but I still don't see, you know, you said humans are involved, all these people are involved, but guess what? At the end of the day, that contract belongs to the owner, and the owner gets to decide, or even the GM gets to decide where they move. If someone comes out saying, hey, I want this Warhol of chess, 
of, of draft picks because I want to start young. They're going to ask. And they don't care where they're sending James Harden. It doesn't matter. Tillman Fertitta is like one of the worst owners in the league next to James Dolan. You think he cares where James Harden goes if he really wants to make this team back at, at the all uh, the beginning? doesn't really matter. <laughs> Okay, Seaside. They have an owner. He's really good and presty. And they, why would they give up their assets to get a guy that they shipped off that they don't like? Like, why would they do all that? Because you could say that it was a mistake and they should not, should not have traded James Harden to begin with. They kept maybe the wrong guy in Russell Westbrook and they should have probably kept James Harden to go with Kevin Durant. No, they kept, yeah, they kept Surge instead of Harden. And I think that was actually the right move. But yeah, I, I, I guess. I, I think there's, I don't see. I just don't see your scenario happening with the OKC Houston trade. I get that they have the, the assets, and I, I understand that if somebody offered Houston all these picks, yes, they would take it. There's no way that the Houston uh, that OKC would take that contract too. It makes no sense if they're rebuilding to take a max, a three year super max. But I mean, but it makes sense for Carl Anthony Towns to go back to Tom Thibodeau. It makes sense for Phil Jackson to coach Kobe Bryant again. It makes sense for uh, Carmelo Anthony to go back to Mike D'Antoni in Houston. I mean, we've seen these type of moves again. People make all these crazy decisions to go back to the original starting point. No, none of, you were like the, almost, almost all those are no. What do you mean all those are no? Those, those things did happen. <laughs> I know, but it didn't make any sense. Like, Carmelo should not have ever went to Houston. It worked out for, like, six games, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, and then, and then the role got messed up. Like, that should have never happened. But he wanted to go to Houston. He wanted to be with Chris Paul and James Harden. And then Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni got rid of him. But he went back to go be with Mike D'Antoni. He, he chose to go back to, with those guys knowing that Mike D'Antoni is there. So that's, that's all I'm saying is that if he will go back, it does not matter that uh, James Harden wouldn't want to go back to OKC. Yeah, but what did Houston learn from that transaction to not do that? Like, that was a bad move. So I feel like OKC, a smart OKC, who got this ridiculous haul of draft picks for every for every time they make a trade, who are smart, who are rebuilding, who have Presti, like, why would they make that trade? You know what I mean? It's not all on Houston. You're saying, like, oh, OKC would call, but why would OKC make that phone call is my question. Because they could get back into contention. They have nice young assets in uh, was it? you got um you got SGA you still got Steven Adams who's still a good center you got Dennis Schroeder who showed he was going to be who was in like the sixth man of the year contention you got Dort who showed that he could be a defensive guy who can attack the rim you still got guys who can play and you, if you work free agency you can create a team that works with them and if you really wanted to bring a guy from Houston and the original trade that you sent me with Eric Gordon, you could bring Eric Gordon with him too and then still create that team that you want there or bring anybody else. You can still make that type of trade if you want to bring into OKC and make and work them around those young guys or even ship a lot of those draft picks out there. That's all I'm saying. And if we're really going to talk about what? With Chris Paul. This is the most ridiculous scenario that you're pulling. What are we going to do with Chris Paul here? What do you mean? Chris Paul is going to be got. Chris Paul is going to be traded. They'll trade him to whoever and get whatever. So there are no there are no win now mode with James Harden, but they're not in a win now mode with Chris Paul. Are they going to get rid of draft picks in the in the process? They don't have to. If they trade him to Milwaukee, Milwaukee will be giving the pick. Or if they go to if he goes to Philly, Milwaukee, they both those teams would be giving giving the pick to get Chris Paul. They, you can make numerous deals to just get something done, right? This is the NBA. It's a business. But I'll go, I'll go with the realistic trade, what it would take for the Knicks to get James Harden, because I don't think you're getting James Harden with that type of deal. I think the deal that would get James Harden, still you'd have to include Julius Randle, Bobby Portis. 
I think the deal may be Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, or Frank Nelkini. You're adding one of those guys, and then you'd have to add R.J. Barrett. They're not going to take those two guys and say, we're not going to get R.J. We need They need at least somebody that they know they can build around. So they would need like an R.J. They need a Mitch. It'd have to be one of those two. It'd have to be one of the two untouchable guys that we have in R.J. and Mitch with one of the three young guys of either Knox, DSJ, or Frank to go with them. Plus, we'd have to probably give them the Dallas pick, the Clippers pick, or and probably one of our own picks. That's yeah, it would have to be one of them, man. There's no way they're not asking for that. Three first round picks and last year's first round pick and two young guys. Like none of that's happening. That's why, like, I I think that's all like again. Like I just think that's NBA Twitter going nuts because if RJ, if uh, if Houston is rebuilding, is changing it up is going to get rid of Harden and a $45 million contract. Like, good luck. Like, go find someone that's going to take $45 million for three years. Like, it's not as apparent as you think. It's not as NBA 2K-ish fantasy as you think. Like, these these players, these teams don't have the salary cap for next year. And they also, they're not going to just throw everything. Like, I, I can't imagine uh, another team offering anything close to that offer. Anything close to three first-round picks that include the Knicks in them, like the Knicks draft picks, plus R.J. Barrett, plus young guys. I only said two picks. Two picks. No, the 27th, the Dallas, and the future Knicks first. No, I'm saying it was either. It has to be either. It has to be two of those three combinations. Two for so it's either you gotta give up the Dallas or the Clippers with definitely a Knicks top protected. So you got it's gonna be one of those two. So two first rounders plus. Yes. RJ, yes. Young guys, plus the plus the salary to actually match, which is going to be like Randall and a couple other pieces. Yes. I don't think any other team is going to even come close to that offer. That's why I think it'd be an insane, an insane offer for the Knicks. Like I really don't see any other. Like what other team do you think is going to come even close to that? You had OKC. Okay, let's move on from that because let's agree to disagree on there. Um, and we both mentioned Philly which we also don't know because of Doc Rivers. Like, what other team do you think would give up such a crazy haul like that for James Harden? I mean, if Philly really wanted to make a trade, they're th- they would probably move Embiid for Harden, which would be what? Yeah, yeah. yeah those two, yeah, I, we definitely see Philly doing it. So then, what Who else? Let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this. If we're going to say Embiid is the thing that gets uh, – Embiid is a – for over that field, over Embiid any time of the day if I'm Houston. Two first-round picks, RJ, the young guys, and the veteran for, for uh, Embiid with no knees. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, give, If I'm the Rockets and the Knicks call me with that offer, I am not letting them hang up the phone. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. <laughs> I'm not letting them get off the phone. That is a full rebuild for them with one trade. Like, no problem. If, if I'm them and the Knicks call me with that offer, take it today. I would, I would definitely bargain – uh, for the eight, you know what I mean? I would, I would probably bargain for the Mitch and the RJ. Like, I would talk about it a little bit, but if that was the final offer of what you put on the table, I would not let them hang up if I'm, if I'm the new GM for Houston, to be honest with you. Here's my thing, though, is that we're looking at the Rockets, right? They don't have – they have no picks. They have no picks for the next couple – they only have the 2022-2023 first round picks. Every other year, they got nothing, right? So they need capital back. They're not they're that's what they want. You also if we're going to look at it from like what do they want to get out of this trade? 
they want draft picks, man. If they're going to be, if they, we already know they're not going to trade Harden, but we're going to keep going down this rabbit hole if they're going to cha- trade James Harden, right? They have to get draft picks back. That's probably the biggest thing that they want to do because without draft picks, they cannot develop a team. They'll be like the Brooklyn Nets of just waiting and waiting and waiting and trying to get something. So they probably want that most than, or, at least young guys. They have they have to get those type of guys. And I don't think a Knox, I don't think a Frank Nelkina, and I don't think a 27 and a Dallas pick because when you look at Dallas, their competitors are like these guys are going to be in the playoffs. This is not like none of the none of these picks help us. They need a first rounder from us who's going to suck. I think it'll be the 8. I think it'll be the 8 honestly. I think the 8 will go. Because it's because it's a top ten guaranteed. You know what I mean? There's no protection. It's this year. We're good to go. You know what I mean? And it's something to hang your hat on this year. I could see if we add the eighth pick, and then you're talking about like the Dallas pick for next year, so they get a top player as well to get James Harden. Yeah, that's real. That's more realistic. But you have to give up. Some, you have to give up our own pick. That's all I'm saying. Our, Mostly on the same page. You you're just saying that we have to we have to give up a New York Knicks pick, which I agree. I'm sure that if, if somebody's on the phone with the Knicks. They're getting a Knicks pick because they know we stink. So they're going to want our draft pick. I agree with you. Really, the only place we're disagreeing with is the RJ or Mitch on top of the, the couple of draft, the couple of first rounders and the young guys and the veterans to match with the salary coming back. I think that the Mitch or RJ is like where we're differing. It's like where really where I, I agree with you that Houston would ask for them and it would make sense for them. And if I was them, I would also want them. But if I'm the Knicks, I'm hanging up as soon as that's the kicker. Like, if that's their hanging point, like, they need one of those two guys, like, that's just too much. Because then it becomes even more than mellow, the mellow trade, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, it, it, it's difficult to look at James Harden, like, for, for the Knicks. Because my question then is, where are we going the next couple of years? Like, how far are you competing with this team, right? Yeah. Oh. You can't gut it. Yeah, you. But the thing is that I, I sure. How many teams have the plethora of picks that we have? Not many. But how many other teams have more young guys that are better than our guys? There are others. Yeah, but the question is: is is getting rid of Randall, Portis, Bullock, Frank, and or Dennis Smith, and a couple of draft picks that are probably never going to pan out on the Knicks? If we're being honest with you, like, is that really gutting the Knicks? You know what I mean? The difference with Melo is we had like Wilson Chandler, who was a real player, Gallo, who was a real guy. You know what I mean? Like players who were actually having impact on the game. You know what I mean? That's what that's what scares me about throwing in RJ or Mitch because I feel like they actually affect the game, even though they probably realistically on paper aren't really kill, you know doing too much to the plus minus. But then I guess you're talking about picks that actually panned out, right? So that's the question, like picks that actually panned out. And we do have picks that pan out. Look, we've had Mitch that panned out. RJ's probably going to pan out. You know, we have had two duds right now. We're not full on duds. There's the, ju- the jury's still out on Knox. Frank is just taking forever to develop. But we've had players like Gal, as you mentioned, Chandler, all these guys that have had, like, who are successful. We had Mozgov, who had a decent car- career, too. It's not like the Knicks are just horrendous at drafting. Drafting. <laughs> No, 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 no. Here's what picks do we had to draft in the last couple of years? Being serious, after that military, we didn't have many. Shump, Shump was okay, but it was we didn't really have many guys to draft. But 
literally had to make a rule for us so that we so that NBA teams can trade consecutive first round picks. Yo, that was back during uh, the Cavs because the Cavs used to do that <laughs> yeah. for trades. Cavs used to make those type of trades and would go crazy. All I'm saying is, and we can wrap up this James Harden talk. I think it's more than I think it's. I think we're close to the same page. It's. I think the young players that really need to change. I think you have to add an RJ. When I look at the trade, right? When I look at trading, it's what makes what makes it what makes me feel uncomfortable, right? What who would I not want to trade to get that? If when I think of trading Frank and Knox, I'm like absolutely. If you're telling me I get to trade all those guys and I get James Harden back, that is way too com- comfortable for me to get somebody back. If I start adding an RJ or a Mitch in there and I start to feel a little uncomfortable, that's when I start knowing that this is a real trade because at the end of the day, like we can't. It's so rare that someone gets fleeced. Like the the Nets getting fleeced is like a once in a lifetime deal where you see, oh yeah, here take KG, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry, and I don't know, give us all your picks, and it's like. Sure. That doesn't happen anymore. That doesn't happen anymore. It's very rare where that happens. So when I, when I think of these trades, it's who do we have to give and make us feel uncomfortable? And I think that's where it comes down to adding an RJ, adding a Mitch. And I think that's where it starts to get more realistic. And I don't think you need to add three picks. You definitely need to add two picks, one of them being our own. And that's where then that once, and that's really, that's really the, the main thing. They don't care about Randall. They're like, look, we got to do it to match it. We don't care about Bobby Pores. That's adding in there. It's what, what are the young guys and what are the draft picks that we're getting out of this? That's, that's where it really comes down to. Yeah. So, I mean, last question to wrap this up. Would you add a, I guess, uh, we kind of talked it out and we came to the conclusion that I added three picks and you, and, that kind of made you uncomfortable and you added RJ and that made me uncomfortable. So I guess the question is that we figured out is, would you rather add an extra Knicks pick at the end or add RJ? Because that's kind of interesting to me. I don't really know. So I think where it was, you added a second rounder. I don't think the second rounder really does anything because you can just, uh, it, it's at this, like you can get good value. Three, right? Next draft or something. We have a lot of picks, though. Yeah, exactly. Like we just have like we have like an insane amount, and For, usually they don't even fit. We don't. They don't even fit on our uh, on our roster. We have to just keep adding guys that so uh, that, uh, for next year. So for twenty twenty one, we got two first rounders and two second rounders. So we're actually stacked for yeah, this year. That's what I'm saying. Which is the good draft too. Which is what's crazy to even think about. It's supposed to be the really good draft. So it's actually going to be really hard to like. In lack of better terms, fuck this one up uh, to a certain extent. But that's that. That's what makes the Knicks getting quote unquote fleeced by getting rid of these picks. You know what I'm trying to say? Which I don't. I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather have Harden. You know what I mean? And I'd rather keep RJ. And just just go ahead, take the picks, bro. Take the picks, enjoy them, <laughs> develop them. I hope you know. I hope they don't do well. <laughs> and like we'll move on. I don't know what to say. You know. But I know if they come on the Knicks, they're not gonna do well. You know, I just know that. Here's my thing, though. With your pick, you added a second rounder, which I was saying. What if you added Dallas, the Clippers, and then one of our? Yeah, I know you added three picks. You're talking about the Dallas, the Clippers. First, I'm saying like we'll do a three first and a second instead of RJ. Oh, then I would do that. So I'm saying like we'll just add like keep RJ like yo we'll keep it him but like take another first like take it on the first like we have the two Dallas take one of ours as well and like whatever we'll give you one of the second. The deal that I would do in that case, if you're adding Frank, if you're adding Frank and Knox, then to add, to make that one even better, you would have to add, I would say, yeah, take the, take the Clippers, 
take the Dallas and then take our 2020. If you said 2022 first rounder, I would give the 2022 first rounder unprotected and call. Two Dotson's a nice pick, and he and he played in Houston College, and he and he set records over there. Like that's a nice asset for them. Three and D, like he's nice. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta keep adding to get those type of guys. At the end of the day, I feel like we're gonna be negotiating against ourselves in typical Knicks fashion because I don't think any other team is gonna be dying at the hip to get a unmotivated James Harden who can sometimes be out of shape. You know what I mean? Uh, who has this whole strip club, you know, connotation around his head. You know what I mean? Who doesn't always seem to be the best teammate and who has a $45 million contract. Like, like I, I don't know. Do you see teams like the Sacramento Kings? Are they going to come screaming, you know, giving up like Darren Fox? You know what I mean? For, you know, and all these players for Harden. But why is it us, you know, dying to give up, you know, all these things and like for Harden where I don't see any other organizations – coming to the forefront or that will. I just don't anticipate it. You know what I mean? I think that I think they I think there wouldn't be at the forefront because getting James Harden is just a monster of a task. And I don't think a lot of teams, especially the teams that are competing, they've already like they've already mustered up all of their draft capital. And who else can you trade? Like if you're the Bucks, who are you trading? You don't have that many draft picks left to trade and you'd have to give up Eric Bledsoe. The Rockets are not saying, yeah, let's take Eric Bledsoe on a pick. That's not, that's not real. You know what I mean? And, the, but this is where I'm saying, like, like if there's other young, there's other teams who are, who are in the same boat as us that could offer draft picks. That's all I'm saying. And they for young guys. That's all I'm saying is that they could, there's probably someone else that could. That's all I'm saying. You won't be as motivated as the Knicks to get a, a James Harden to your team. They'd be like, okay, like we could wait two and a half to three years until he becomes a free agent if we're dying for James Harden, or he's going to be way cheaper in two years. You know what I mean? The other thing is like he's thirty one, so you only have a few more years with him. That's the other thing. Why? He's not gonna. He's not gonna change. He's not gonna win a championship for the Knicks. Okay, and that's why you know what I'm saying that's the problem with giving up all these things. He's not gonna win a chip, but he's gonna make us relevant. He's gonna make us win games. You know what I mean? And once we win games, and the locker room changes, and and playing basketball changes in New York, where like you come into a system. You know what I mean? A certain tib system run by Harden. Like it's this is a different life, you know what I mean? We could we could we could like win a series in the playoffs, like you know what I mean? And is that worth two or three first round picks that you know came out of nowhere for KP? Yes, you know to me, yes. I I preach the patience, but for me with the Knicks, it just patience doesn't really breed excellence. It's like this. It's like with the Jets and the Knicks. It's all the same crap. We could tank forever, and it's not going to pan out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it all depends on who your front office is. And like, it's all that we tanked for those guys. How's that working out? It all depends on your front office and how it works. But yeah, tanking, I mean, tanking, they flatten the, they flatten the yacht, so it doesn't even work for us anymore. But I guess just to clear it up so that people know where we stand with this, if it was to work, right? It has to include Bobby Portis and Julius Randle to match the salary. Uh, I would say you have to add Frank... Uh, Knox, DSJ, one of those guys, or or two of the three kids, and then with the way that it works, if you want to keep RJ and Mitch, as we agreed on, it'd have to be three first rounders. It'd have to be the Dallas Clippers and probably like a twenty twenty uh pick ours unprotected in order to get James Harden on this team. And you could throw a second rounder in because we have just so many second rounders. I get that, but that's something that's. More, I agree that that's more realistic, 
Or if you don't, if you want more of the picks, you'd have to trade like RJ or Mitch. But that's just a bigger, that's another, that's, it has to be one of those caveats. And that's the only realistic way I see it. That I agree with. That I agree with. But at the end of the day, I would say let's not trade for Harden just because he is getting close to that end. And unless we actually have the team and we don't even have the roster right now (laughs) to even compete, it'd just be like, yeah, Harden, um, take Bullock. Take, uh, I guess we got uh, RJ running with you and Mitch. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not pretty. So you'd have to t- sign a lot of guys, and this is like this free agent class. Unless you're ready to get Fred Van Vliet on this team too to go work with him in the backcourt, which I know is a nightmare for you. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't work. We don't sign really any more guys if we have Harden because he eats exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's that's the other difficult part for it. But at the end of the day, they already said that he's off limits. But I don't truly believe anyone's off limits until you give him the right offer. So that's it on that conversation with the Knicks. So now we'll uh, take a short little break and then we'll come back with etc. and wrap this podcast up. All right. And we're back from our break where we get to hear John talk about Anchor. But, John, I want to hear you talk about what's for etc. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. What a Sunday, Alex. So we'll keep most of the Jets rhetoric for the Jets episode. We won't really get into the horror show that is the New York Jets. But I do want to talk about what happened post-game. And it's really on the same theme uh, that's we're kind of talking about right now with the Houston Rockets. So I'm kind of hoping the Houston Rockets take a page out of the Jets book. Uh, wherein the Joe Douglas, we saw CBS was pulling out pictures during the broadcast of Joe Douglas on his phone. Turned out he might have been texting the Tampa Bay GM, Alex. Um, Vita Vey, uh, the Tampa Bay nose tackle, got injured last week. This week, literally hours after the Tampa Green Bay game and the Miami Jets game, which were the only four o'clock games ended this week. Steve McClendon, the longest tenure jet got traded to Tampa for a 2022 sixth rounder and a 2023 seventh rounder. And yes, there are seven rounds in the NFL draft for you NBA fans that have stuck around. We're just doing it, baby. We're just getting rid of everybody. It's a fire sale. That's the full on tank. Oh, we are tanking. We are tanking hard. And who's the man for the job, baby? Who is the man for the job? Say it. Say it out loud. Offensive guru Adam Gase, man. There it is, baby. We're keeping Adam Gase. No more fire Gase. It's, we, we love Gase now. Um, My God. There is a fire sale um, with the Jets. We got rid of Bell for nothing. Uh, we got rid of, we literally cut him like literally for nothing. That's not, we're not, I'm not even like exaggerating, like literally cut him, uh, because we wanted to save on $8 million just in case he got injured next year. And then we traded the longest tenure jet, Steve McClendon, who was one of the vocal points of one of your favorite shows, one jets drive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he, we're just doing him right. And we got rid of him for nothing. Why? Because we're going absolutely nowhere. And we're blessing all the teams around the league, hoping for some karma. 
But this is exactly what I'm hoping the Rockets do for us, Alex. What do you think about the Jets' uh, fire sale mode, and who do you think is coming next? Man, man, I don't even know what's coming next. We went, we put up, we put up a goose egg today. This was. This happened a long time, man. Actually, the Jets didn't convert uh, a first down until uh, like eight. Oh no, not the first down. The Jets didn't convert a third down. <laughs> left in the fourth quarter because because that's supposed to make me feel better right <laughs> yeah it was awesome dude it was really awesome uh it was a great day um the defense uh had some turnovers that was fun hey, you know it's funny we talked about this uh on the jets episode you asked me uh what did i think the outcome of this game was going to be and i said you know that BS mind juggling that you're like, well, if this team beats that team and that team beats that team, then they're going to lose to that. It's like, yes, this one is where it actually worked out where this, you know, the Dolphins actually kept up with the Seahawks. Did they, did they actually beat the Seahawks? I forget. Did they beat the Seahawks? No, they, they did beat the Seahawks. Um, well, the Seahawks are undefeated. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're undefeated, but still they kept up with the Seahawks. They kept up with the bills. And I was like, if they can keep up with these teams and we can't even do that, we're about to get schooled. I didn't think we were about to give it a goose egg, but my God, we were horrendous. Thank God we did, man. Thank God we did, honestly. Uh, a zero looks great on on an offensive guru's resume. Um, but I <laughs> I just kind of want to point that I had a had a casual conversation with Cromartie um, on Twitter today while we're watching this game. Huh? Which uh, uh which Cromartie? Antonio Cromartie? Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, we're going a little back and forth uh, about Greg Williams um, and how he, we were, it was, it's just unbelievable. Like, l- like now Greg Williams and Adam Gase are feuding pregame. They showed them yelling at each other, uh, getting into it uh, because of during the week, Greg Williams kind of had a remark blaming Adam Gase. But I guess they don't see each other. They couldn't yell at each other before the game, like in front of the cameras. Unbelievable. Like just a complete dumpster fire. Um what bothers me and is driving me absolutely insane is that Bart Scott and all these people want Greg Williams to be the head coach of the Jets on an interim basis. <laughs> we can say this for the Jets portion, but God help me, Alex. I cannot take any more Greg Williams talk. The guy not only was the man who ratted out Jonathan Vilma in a signed statement for the guy that's going to pay players to hurt Brett Favre, for Bounty Gate. Okay, forget that. He doesn't own, not only does he lie every single season about how all he has all these head coaching positions, uh, and he just says no to them. That, that's hilarious. That I'll, we can never live that down. Alex, we we didn't hire Matt Rule, and <laughs> we had a couple coaches. We had Campbell who declined the the offer for the interview. We had Todd Monken who said no to the Jets. Why? Because. McKagan was married to Greg Williams as a D coordinator. You couldn't bring in your own staff. We love Greg Williams. We're the only team on the on the universe that loves Greg Williams. We have the worst defense in the league. We have the most penalties in the league. We do not tackle. I hate Greg Williams. Get him out of my face. Honest to God, keep Adam Gase over firing Adam Gase and bringing in Greg Williams. Like, that sounds like a horror show. I hate this guy. I really do hate this guy. I just hate this team. We really have just 
Look, everyone was on the – well, here's the thing. Everyone was on the Greg Williams bandwagon last year because the defense was playing out of its mind. The team rallied around. It was really the defense that helped keep him in games, even though the offense was like putting up some good some good numbers for the latter half of last season. And that's part of it why Greg Williams is, you know, up here. Even when he was with the Browns as interim head coach, we look at the success that they had with him, even though, you know, they didn't it didn't lead to playoffs or anything. It, but Baker looked good under him. And it's he's he's a boy he's in the boys' club for uh for the NFL, right? He's gonna get taken care of. And that's why his name's being thrown around. That's why his name that's why people will tolerate him and he's more charismatic. He's more likable than Adam Gase. That's why they want him. And it's really rare for a special teams coach as what you want to become the interim head coach. Because that, if you're firing both coordinators, you're firing both coordinators and the head coach, just fire the entire staff at that point then. And even though we know the special teams coach is probably the best one and definitely is the best one on the team, like what does that say about the team? It's so hard to... To fill that like turnover during midseason, that's why everyone's like, "Oh, just bring in Greg Williams and fire the OC and fire Gates." And I get it, but I'm actually leaning more towards you. Like, please don't do this. Just, just don't. Like, especially when, when, when we, when I was looking back at some of those games, like our guys are actually hitting people late, like doing like some foul stuff, like during the game. It's actually not. It's not cool. It's really not cool. That's Greg Williams. Actually, um, it was funny. I uh, I forgot who said it. I, I read it on Twitter. Um, somebody was like, why would you even put – because Tua came in to end of the game because we got routed by Fitzmagic, who he got a nice little dig on the Jets too. The broadcasters were like, oh, we're talking to Fitzpatrick. Said the worst year of his life was when he was with the Jets. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> so he even threw a nice little dig at us. Tua came in in the fourth quarter. Fitzpatrick's laughing all over the field, trying to get us to get off sides, laughing, right? Tua comes onto the field, and the comments were like, why would you put Tua on the field right now if Greg Williams, you know, is about to injure him? You know what I mean? And I agree. Honestly, I would not trust my franchise quarterback against a, a 24-0 desperate Jets in the fourth quarter. Here- Williams coaching that defense. I really would not trust it. Here's the thing. What's his name from Warren Sharp of the ringer right now, right? He called it out last you know, a few weeks ago on how if you watch a Greg Williams defense, they're always hitting after the play. We were doing it against the Broncos. We were hitting uh, Rippon at, late after the play. And as much as I love this team, right, as much as I love the Jets and I want to see them succeed – that's it's it's foul when you start doing that, right? We're trying to protect players, and when you're getting your own guys to do stuff like that, where it gets you the flags, that's not disciplined football. And two, why are we trying to kill people? Like it makes no sense. This is what got him uh, in like hot water when he was down in New Orleans. So yeah, I'm starting to like I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to agree with you, John. That. No, like, I would honestly just please keep Adam Gase at this point. Let's just get the first overall pick and trade it and get for a haul. Oh, I don't know about all that. We'll get into that in the Jets episode, man. Oh, you're changing your tune now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anymore. I really don't know. Like, Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. If we get if we get, if we get get Trevor at one, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it. 
Um, but to be honest with you, we're not getting the number one pick because if I know one thing about the Jets, oh, we're gonna fuck this up. Yeah, 100%. So we can talk, we'll talk about it, but we're not gonna have to because don't worry, it's not happening. But, but we'll talk about that on Sunday. Yeah, okay. Uh, sounds good, sounds good. But yeah, no, that's. Well, yeah, that wraps up for this, for, for the center portion. Alex, if you have anything else you wanna add. No, I got nothing else to say except the Jets are an embarrassment. Um, we're looking forward to the next Knicks season. Um, and yeah, thank you all for tuning in for another episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Another Knicks episode. Thank you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. Let your friends, your dogs, your cats, your family members know. Please share the news about this podcast. Let people know who we are. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. We are on all social platforms. You cannot find John on Instagram, though. You can find him everywhere else, though. (laughs) But make sure to let everyone know. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And make sure to check in back again this week for the Jets episode to hear us be miserable even more. (laughs) Nah, man, we're changing our tone, dude. We're changing our tone to tank season. Smile. Tank. Tank. The tank commander that's Adam Gase. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Let's go next, baby. Later.